Welcome to episode 112 of the Ninja Mountain Podcast, the podcast for artists and by artists. Ninja Mountain is a loose collective of fantasy sci-fi artists who like to talk about the art and business of freelance illustration. Ninja Mountain is a proud member of the Visual Artist Podcast Network. On our panel this week, we have the return of a balancing female presence in Silcar Miles. Hi. Uh, <laughs> Gorblimey.com. Patrick McAvoy brings. He's no longer. He doesn't. He's not carrying forth that that divine feminine. This is Patrick McAvoy. Yeah, Patrick Christopher McAvoy. Christopher, and I'm Meg- are you serious? Honest to God. And I'm at <laughs> megaflowgraphics.com. And I am Jeremy McHugh, and I can be found at McHughStudios.com. And uh, I think. Briefly today, we were thinking about. Uh, well, why don't we? Why don't we open up with a? Uh, do you want to open up or end with a critique? End with a critique. We'll end with a critique. To end on a good note. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Plus, that way, the guy we're critiquing will have to listen to the entire episode before he can get his critique. Per- That's brilliant. Right. We'll, get, we'll get an extra thousand dollars from our sponsors. Brilliant. Oh wait, we don't have any sponsors. <laughs> And we will, and I'm pretty sure by the end of this episode, we'll have inspired no one <laughs> to jump on board. But, not uh, only will we not have no sponsors, we won't have no listeners. That's right. <laughs> just, we'll just be this uh, empty void floating in space. Hey, you know, we were thinking about talking about a subject that, uh, as illustrators, as people, we this is not a subject we, you know, we touch upon lightly... It's you know it's a it's a topic that nobody you know it's, a, it's something everybody does but no one wants to admit to generally speaking and uh, yeah as artists sitting alone in our offices uh, looking at our computers we tend to do it a lot yeah yeah and we, you don't tell your spouse about it either yeah yeah you'd prefer that really nobody know about it or see it or hear hear it or. Witness it in any way? Because you know, yeah, if we you were discovered, if you were discovered doing this, it could be rather embarrassing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Never. <laughs> so yes, we are in fact talking about wasting time. <laughs> wasting <laughs> time. Yes, but you know, you know, the thing is, the internet is quite the playground for wa- for time wasting. Where do you like to go if you're going to waste time? Oh gosh, uh, deviant art, definitely. Yep. Okay. Waste a lot of time. Uh, I could just get lost there for uh, an hour at a time. Uh, and uh, Facebook, of course, is a, a super time waster. Um, and I, I like to uh, read uh, news from all over the world, and that can waste time. Uh, that that's good stuff to completely and totally waste time. And, you know, looking at uh, web comics and things isn't entirely a waste of time. I guess I guess DeviantArt mm-hmm. isn't either because you're sort of getting inspiration and ideas. Hmm. Um, you know, de- definitely going poking around uh, YouTube for funny videos about cats. <laughs> hey, but, yeah, in fact, I think uh, any level. I, th- I think this episode will feature a, a few uh, links to some of our. We were just prior to the show, we were talking about some of our favorite YouTube videos, or stuff that you can find on YouTube. And uh, we we were completely amazed to find that Sokar had never seen the 
crazy nasty ass honey badger video. So we made her watch that right before the show. <laughs> and she is a like, better yeah. person for having viewed it. Yeah, that was a, that was certainly some interesting commentary on that honey badger. There, you just emerged from your sleeping bag. Yes, I swear to God. I swear to God, you had to be like... <laughs> I'm not in a bag. It's like someone's trying to smother you with a pillow. You just don't want to warn it and let us know. Or is that autoerotic asphyxiation? <laughs> oh, yeah, you caught me. That's what I'm doing. I'm hanging from the door of the handle and touching myself. Oh, baby! So, anyway... Well, this is already the best episode ever. <laughs> oh, clearly. Clearly, yeah, this one's this is gonna be one for the ages. People are gonna be talking about this one for like minutes. Going on my reel. <laughs> minutes. So yeah, let's see here. So anyway, wasting time. Um I like to go to drama and trolling communities and uh see what stupid stuff people are up to in the internet lately. Mm-hmm. And I've also become kind of obsessed with getting free stuff lately. Free um, stuff? Yeah, getting free stuff and using the internet to get like tons of free stuff. Would you stop that? I'm sorry, I was just fixing my hair. Cut it out. Okay, I'll sit absolutely <laughs> still. Which actually leads to a story that I promised uh, Jan, one of our longtime listeners uh, and um, most assiduous mockers, that I would tell on the air. Um, a couple. Of, so, so I've been obsessed with getting free shit in the internet. I got like $50 worth of free dry cleaning and a bunch of Amazon gift cards and a bunch of iTunes cards and stuff. How Mostly. on earth are you doing this? I, I'm comp- I am mystified. Tell me, tell us more. Um, take, a, and, uh, take a short digression and tell okay, us where to get free stuff. I'm mostly getting on, on uh, Facebook and Twitter by entering contests like caption our photo, um, share our link, blah, 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 whatever. Um, I got the free dry cleaning for making up a slogan. <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> so you stole food out of the mouths of copywriters for um, in, in order to get free dry cleaning. Well, my dry cleaning was like $170, so I still had to pay for most of it, but I got 50 bucks off. <laughs> so anyway, anyway, mm-hmm. um, I, I normally do this on my alternate Facebook account because, you know, I don't want to have a bunch of link sharing and bullshit um, infesting all my friends' uh, feeds, you know, mm-hmm. all my actual friends' feeds. So I use my alternate Facebook account. Usually, <laughs> one day, I forgot, and I shared a link to this game whose slogan was, bring out the uh, rampant steed in you or something. And it also had in some advertising material that said, be the horse pimper. <laughs> Be the horse pimper? Yes, be the horse pimper. So I was advertising this on my real Facebook. And of course, Jan sees it and starts making fun of me. And I'm like, well, I could just admit that um, I could just admit that I'm trying to win 10 bucks for iTunes. But then other people might enter and it would like ruin my chances of winning. <laughs> I always thought like, oh yeah, I totally play this game. It's not bad. And then um, a few days later, I won. But they, um, they, they. This was from. This was a promotion from Com to Us, which is a Korean uh, game manufacturer. And they wouldn't give me my gift card because I wasn't in the U.S. And I got really mad because the game wasn't even available in the U.S. iTunes store. So why would U.S. people even be sharing the link? I was like, give me my money. <laughs> 
<laughs> and I bothered them all through the Lunar New Year holiday because I forgot it was the Lunar New Year holiday. Um, and I sent them like a million emails. And then finally they gave me $10 for Amazon instead. Just to shut you up. <laughs> yeah. And, um, but not before I had... Um, Oh, sorry. <laughs> Not before I had advertised to all my Facebook friends that I want to be the horse pimper. Well, I'm sure that was worth $10. And plus, with all the time you spent doing that, what do you think you got? Maybe 10 cents an hour? No, no actually, I don't spend really much time doing it at all. I, I am, am on my alternate Facebook account. I have like a all these companies that do free giveaways uh, favorited. So um, I just check it when I'm at work anyway. And if any of them have a contest on, I enter it. Um, but other things other things I, I do to waste time, let's see. Uh, podcasting. Definitely. There you go. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's the number one. a lot of time. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> We spend an awful lot of time on that, don't we? Actually, I, I try not to waste a lot of time, but um, I, I'm so obsessive about working. I usually think of you know, taking a break to watch TV or, or sleeping is a waste of time. <laughs> I, you know, I sometimes feel the same way. Well, why would you take a break to watch TV? You can watch TV while you're working. I mean, you, I mean, you can't really watch it, but you can listen to it. I don't remember the last time I actually watched TV with my eyes. Well, that that's an interesting point because I do know a lot of artists like yourself who, and I think we've mentioned this before, so I'm sorry if I'm boring everyone, but there are a lot of artists who keep TV shows going while they're working, and I just simply do not have the willpower to do that. I end up watching it. When it gets to a visual part, I go, ooh, I've got to see this, and I turn on, and then suddenly I'm watching TV on my computer, and that's not good. Uh, so there's something about you know just listening to podcasts or radio plays, things like that, that uh, you know is a lot easier to work while I'm listening, because it never distracts me visually. Yeah. Ooh, there's, an, there's an app now on the um, App Store um, for the iPhone that you can get all the um, Twilight Zone episodes as radio plays. Oh, that's neat. How, how does that work? I mean, do they describe the visuals, or or is it just the soundtrack, or what? They they've been a. I think they they've been slightly adapted. Um, I've only had a chance to listen to the free ones that you get with it so far. I haven't bought the. Um, I haven't. I haven't bought all the. Uh, I've bought some of the rest of them, but I haven't had time to listen to them yet. And none of the free ones are episodes that I've seen, so I can't comment on what the differences are. Hmm. Well, that sounds pretty neat. Yeah, it is. If you're a fan of the Twilight Zone, anyway. If you're not, then screw you. I, I've had a lot of Netflix playing in the office while I've been working at the Easel, so that's okay by me. I don't get too yeah. distracted. I think that's good. But you were saying, uh, you know, Patrick, you know, moving right along, we can we can talk about wasting time and waste a lot of time. <laughs> Talking about wasting time, <laughs> but you know, actually, uh, actually uh, to bring that all around, I, I, there was a. Um, I remember reading a. Um, it was a study, and saying that uh, the average uh, span of attention somebody should devote to any given task in a in a block of time is about ninety minutes. And they say after about ninety minutes, you're you're not necessarily delivering your full attention to the task at hand, and your work starts to suffer for it. So what they often recommend is to put that task aside and do something else entirely, 
I don't find that. I find that you you know it takes me a while to get into the swing. Like when <laughs> when I'm drawing, I think uh, I really hit my stride at about the two three hour mark, and that's when I'm really uh, with mm-hmm. it. <laughs> I guess I, I have to agree with that too. Yeah. I, uh, if I if I really get into something, I think it takes about. 15 or 20 minutes to really, really get a stride. And then I'm probably in the zone for at least two to three hours. Mm-hmm. Um, which maybe uh, means more that uh, I'm, I'm more cut out for this sort of thing than somebody who's, who's only got a 90-minute attention span. That, that, that's possible. You know, as, as artists, uh, we really need to pay attention to stuff for a heck of a long time. Yeah, I, I find I find too that once I'm focused, I get really annoyed if something comes along else that I have to attend to. I'm like, w, WTF, man. Go away. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Kieran's joined the party. Hello. Hooray. Hi, Kieran. Well, now oh, we man. can just cut out everything we said before you joined because it no. was... <laughs> he No! Totally, he totally missed the good part. <laughs> We're totally talking about wasting time. <laughs> oh, you should you should have you should have done the same thing to him that we were doing to the listeners and made him think <laughs> that we were talking about jacking off. <laughs> oh, we weren't. Actually, you should have made him think that we were talking about it and tried to get him to talk about it so it would be embarrassing for him. What kind of a friend would I be if I allowed that to happen? Sokar, you're evil. I did that to somebody once, in fact. I said, I said let's, let's make a recording where we both make sex noises. And I said, we'll do it on the count of three. So, of course, at the count of three, I didn't make sex noises. <laughs> <laughs> and there you have it, folks. Sokar is pure evil. She's like uh, Lucy in Peanuts pulling the football away. Yeah, that's me. This time I totally promised to make sex noises. <laughs> <laughs> I I think yeah, I can I can relate to what you're saying with the whole attention span thing. I remember when I was in college, I was working on a printing plate and a uh one of my uh studio mates was I, I came to learn later was timing me. And uh, he pointed out that I had, when I finally looked up for my work, he, he had basically realized that I had not looked up for my plate in about two hours. And that's just like me hunkered down over a zinc plate, scrape, 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 scrape. You know? That was a, I, I'm not, I'm, I think that was called an attention surplus. I'm not sure why that's considered a problem <laughs> for some, but I'd never heard the term before, but apparently it applies. Well, I think as long as it is having a constructive overall effect, it's not a problem. Mm, mm. Yeah, just remember to blink. Yeah. <laughs> I remember uh, once some people were watching me uh, do painting on the computer, and I you know, just sort of zoned out and had forgotten they were watching me. And then a few minutes later, I heard one of them say, doesn't he ever blink? <laughs> at, least he, at least he didn't like forget they were there and start picking your nose or something. <laughs> How awkward would that have been? <laughs> My scrotum sure is itchy. Well, men do that in public anyway. They're like, oh yeah, I'm just going to totally adjust my nuts. The public can 
Ever noticed that about men? They're just like, oh yeah, let me just move my nuts around. Well, yeah, girls don't work. Around all the time. <laughs> what? I didn't hear that. They even do it on TV. That's true, they do. Why, why is that? I don't know. <laughs> because they can. Boy, this conversation went nowhere quickly. Let's move on. Hey, uh... <laughs> Patrick, you uh, you just went to Image Comics Expo. Maybe you could regale us with your many uh, with a, a story. Rob Liefeld yeah. was there. Rob Liefeld was there. Don't forget to tell everyone that Rob Liefeld is there. <laughs> Why are you picking on Rob Liefeld like I know him? Like I would say Rob like I know. Yeah, you know me and Rob. You know we hang out. No, tell us, man. What was it like? Tell us about your uh, the event. Well, uh, it was the very first Image Con Image Comics Expo. Um, it it uh, basically was put on because WonderCon, which has uh, always been in the Bay Area, uh, took a hopefully just one year move down to Anaheim this year because uh, the convention center they usually put it on, and, uh, the biggest one in San Francisco, uh, is uh, closed uh, currently for um, repairs and retrofitting and things. So they moved WonderCon down to Anaheim. And to sort of fill the gap in Image Comics, which is, I guess, more or less based in the Bay Area. Their publisher lives here. Uh, they decided to put on their own little expo. So it's Image Comics Expo, but it wasn't just Image Comics. I mean, that was kind of the centerpiece of it. But, you know, they had uh, lots of booths and tables available for other publishers and small press people and Artist Alley and that kind of thing. So it was a pretty nice little con. Uh, I was frankly amazed they only announced it about three or four months ago and they put it on uh really well i mean it had hardly any glitches or problems and they managed to publicize it fairly well it probably had about i don't know a quarter of the attendance that wondercon usually has but uh yeah i, I got a table there with some friends and uh, uh we Sold stuff, and it was a pretty nice, uh, pretty nice experience. So um, I would say, if they decide to put on another Image Comics Expo in the future, either uh, just to be another Bay Area convention, or if uh, WonderCon happens to move permanently to Anaheim, which would be terrible, uh, but I, I'd say they really uh, did an excellent job. Hooray for Image Comics! Were you representing your own studio, representing the comics that you've been working on? What were you doing? Yeah, it was it was just more or less a uh, an artist an artist table. Um, I was publicizing uh, some new stuff I'm working on with uh, the the other friends who were there with their small press company called Zero One Publishing. That was Cat uh, and Josh, who I've had on before. I've uh, interviewed before for the show. And they, uh, they've they got a new uh, small press publishing company called Zero One, and I'm doing a little comic book with them that may or may not be published through that company uh, called World War Kaiju, which is all about uh, giant kaiju monsters. <laughs> so we were showing off uh, what we have for that uh, so far uh, on the iPad, which is great to show comics off on. Uh, and then I was just doing my usual selling 
you know, my old graphic novel, Starkweather, and lots of prints and posters and things. Um, and it was it was pretty hopping. Actually, it was funny. I have never been to a show with such bad sales on a Friday. There were people there, people walking by all day, really uh, a good crowd, and nobody was buying anything. At the end of the day, you know, we were comparing notes with other artists and publishers along our small table area and everybody had the same like feeling of impending doom <laughs> oh man a bunch like of looky loos and window shoppers huh exactly i think i made about twenty dollars on friday Ooh. oh and, you're so lucky that you live in the area then imagine you spent money on a plane oh, ticket i think i think people who had flown in were probably just ready to shoot themselves but saturday was a totally different thing uh, a lot of people made back all their money you know com completely uh, broke even and made a profit just on saturday and uh, i did uh, so so saturday was was pretty awesome and sunday was was okay not nearly as bad as friday uh, sunday so, was basically so, gravy yeah so all in all uh, a very good show for buying except for that friday and uh, it was in a nice little venue, mm -hmm. the Oakland uh, Convention Center, which is where WonderCon used to be held years ago and sort of outgrew it. Uh, but of course, this being a brand new con, that was a perfect size. And um, yeah, I uh, had a good time. I would say anyone who's uh, in the Northern California area or likes to travel to the Northern California area, if you see this con come up again in the future, definitely give it a give it a look. You might you might uh, you might have a good time there. And it was all uh, <laughs> lots and lots of Image Comics news, of course. Mm -hmm. You know, Walking Dead. It was wall to wall Walking Dead because that's a that's the image comic. That's the big. That's one of the big flagship titles now. Right now, uh, so you can you know swing a dead cat without hitting some Walking Dead promotion, and uh, you know Todd McFarlane and uh, Rob Liefeld and Eric Larson. And, uh, so all the biggies were there. It was uh, that. That was a lot of star power. Um, so lots of. Um, uh, News about upcoming image uh, image wow. stuff came out. Not that that affects me in any way, but I heard that Todd McFarlane is kind of a dick. Is that true? Well, I have never met him, but judging from his public persona, I'd have to say he's the sort of person who uh, is incredibly perplexed when things don't go exactly his way. Let's put it that way. And he keeps losing lawsuits. He just lost a big lawsuit with Neil Gaiman recently, where he oh, man. tried not to pay him for years and years, but the courts finally said, yep, you need to pay him. <laughs> <laughs> Chapter 11 bankruptcy. Um, I guess they filed McFarlane. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Oh, oh uh, uh, Todd McFarlane's company? Yeah. Oh, I hadn't heard that. Yeah. Excitement. <laughs> well, he had rather famously bought what was it the was it the Mark McGuire? Yeah. Was it the baseball the one that uh, broke the record there? The record-breaking home run ball he bought for a million dollars, which of course was what? immediately worth almost nothing. <laughs> what? Hmm. 
Why would you ever spend a million dollars on a bowl? I, uh. you'd have to ask Todd. <laughs> I think he bought. I think I read something about that once. I think he bought it because uh, he'd. He he'd achieved something that he dreamed about for a really long time, and he bought this ball because it was belonging to some or signed by some hero of his, and he uh, he, he sort of bought it as an I've arrived gift to himself. I can sort of understand that. I know somebody who bought himself a car for about the same reason. It's this freaking Audi rust bucket that he's breaking. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, ah, my car broke again. It's like $7,000 to fix it. I'm like, dude, you could have bought like five Toyotas and they'd still be running. (laughs) (laughs) Well, anyway, that's the the big wrap-up of the Image Comics Expo. Oh man! Any, Actually, if anyone's interested, you can go to zero one publishing dot com online and check out some pages from Warkaiju. I'm pretty pretty excited about that project. I'll be oh, working oh. on it for the next several months uh, in my spare time. And, oh, uh, oh, wait, wait, just one thing before I forget. Hmm. Todd McFarlane, if by some weird chance you happen to be listening to this, I'm sorry, I just called you a dick. Yeah, I don't. I don't know you at all. I just heard a rumor, so I thought I'd repeat it. I'm kind of a gossip that way. Sorry. Nice. You you may have noticed this show is not about hard hitting uh, <laughs> <laughs> reportage, if you will, reportage. We're about much of anything this week, really. No, <laughs> this week we got nothing. We just relaxing. The Ninja Mountain Podcast. We come within fifty feet of your ears. Despite the restraining orders. You're talking about oh oh I have I have something I have something I guess I should say. Uh, mm-hmm. My book is now out. It's an art drawing, how to draw a book for beginners. Oh, great! If you look up my name on Amazon, it's like there and shit. You sound so excited about it. What a salesperson! <laughs> well, give us a little enthusiasm. It's it looks like a great book. It's okay. Well, it doesn't suck. You know. Well, well, I got paid in advance, so you know, sales don't really affect me, so I don't have to sound enthusiastic. <laughs> it takes no effort at all to get your first book. It's the second one that seems to be the harder part. Okay, um, no, seriously, it's um, it's it's a it's a nice book. It has it, it's really well printed. I was really surprised because I, I I mean I'm not I'm not saying they're like a crappy publisher, and that's why I was surprised. I was surprised because. Uh, you know, I'd seen the uh, proofs and stuff, and they were just on regular old paper, and I didn't know how it was going to look. And when I finally got my advanced copies, I was surprised. It's really nicely printed. Um, you can see some of my new art. There's there's uh, some walkthroughs in the back of the book that have some pretty big drawings printed there, nice and shiny looking, and they look pretty awesome. Though I do so so myself. Um, it's very nicely printed. It's got some stuff in there by other artists as well. It's got a digital walkthrough by Ann Stokes, who's sometimes on this show. Cool. Uh, I think uh, there's some there's a couple of pictures by John Hodgson in there. I don't I don't know. Uh, I don't know who else is in there. There's a bunch of people in there. So, <laughs> <laughs> so you know, if you want some drawing tips, especially if you're a beginner, you you can look that up. Have you produced anything like a blog extension of this type of a, a book or? Some ways to add more, I don't know, to, to give it life beyond this initial print run and all that? Uh, no, but if there's anything in but uh, if there's anything in the book that you've 
uh, if you read it and you feel that there's anything you want to ask more questions about, mm-hmm. you can just email me. I'll probably answer. Well, <laughs> the only reason I ask is that you know you guys you got uh, authors like James Gurney and they their own blog oftentimes will address in other in certain detail topics covered in his books. It's just it's, it's an interesting connection. Oh, you know that's actually a good idea because uh, there was a pretty strict. Uh, word and page limits a lot of stuff didn't go get into as much detail as i would have done if i had been allowed to ramble on and on and on and on forever Mm -hmm. so you know yeah if anybody if anybody buys the book and there's anything that they they feel like they could use some more detail on feel free to email me and i'll do my best to answer you um i don't have an art blog so um, I, I, I don't have that. You I'm not sure, should. I'm not, I'm not sure if I'd actually be allowed to write specific extensions to the book. Well, no, but good. you could write about material that you think would be under your own banner, if you will. Yeah, that's true. I could. I don't know. I found, I found, it was, it's, I found when I was writing it was harder to write about what I do than I thought. <laughs> Especially because I had to try and be so concise. So a lot of stuff, you know. I really had to trim down the rambling. I should learn to do that when I'm just talking as well. (laughs) (laughs) You don't say. (laughs) That's going to (laughs) happen. Well, okay then. Well, yes, good. (laughs) Well, let's see. What else do we want to talk about? We had... uh... I guess what are we learning? What are we doing right now? I, I'll start. But right now, I'm uh, I'm actually trying to perfect some skills with Illustrator, which is a a very different uh, approach to drawing and image making. I, I, I'm not too perplexed by it. It's just a matter of uh, how do you get the tools to do what it is you're attempting to do. If if there's anything, you know, what I would tell uh, when I would tell my students if they wanted to start working digitally is that they need to have a an image in mind, I think, before they sit down with the tools in general. That's just a generality, of course, but I would usually recommend they have a vision before sitting down with the tools. And I think with uh, I think that's ex- very important when working with a piece of software like Illustrator. Um, I'm not sure it's not I'm not sure how intuitive it is for the beginner. And I think sketching out ideas prior and then scanning and then working off of that sketch to be recreated in Illustrator is probably a, a better path than just starting to sit down and idly sketching in Illustrator. Oh yeah. So that's. I don't know. Th- I've never used Illustrator in my life. But that sounds. It sounds. I think it's a, like a vector-based thing. So it, it is. It, it is. Sounds it's, like you'd need to. Ha- you'd need to go in with a plan because it would take you a while to get every line where you want it and. Yeah, it, it creates fully scalable graphics. It's used a lot in design and um, large format graphics and uh, even design of products like shoes and, and things of that sort. It's it's pretty robust, actually. It's pretty impressive. And in, in the latest version that I have, I got a, I, a very steep discount as a faculty member. So Ooh, I was able to awesome. get... Oh, yeah, I got hold of the um, Adobe Design Standard for a little over $200. Oh, so, no. So that oh. was... Photoshop, Illustrator, InDesign, and um, Acrobat Pro. I just poked a hair wow. into a hole in my iPad, and I can't get it out. 
I'm so <laughs> wow. <laughs> My story is not at all interesting. I was a lot more interested in Jeremy's story. <laughs> I'm sorry. I just, uh, I just, um, I was very distressed, but I got it out now. It's okay. Oh, good. <laughs> So now that that Sokar has dealt with the ingrown hair of her iPad, so you got that whole uh, that whole setup uh, with a uh, basically a teacher's discount mm-hmm. for two hundred something, a little over two hundred dollars. Got me those four pieces of software. That is amazing. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I know that if you try to buy these programs individually, you're talking. I mean, Photoshop retails for about what six hundred alone. More. Yeah, more. More. That's amazing. More. Yeah, so, very good. So being a student could be helpful if you if barring your uh <laughs> or being a teacher. One of those two is there there you may be able to take advantage of of discounts. Do you uh, have to be studying art? Because you know, my sister might be applying to law school soon. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll ask if she can get an academic. Well, you gotta understand that those those licenses are non transferable. Yeah, that's the, okay. I can pretend to be her. You know, <laughs> so just as a just a side note, they'll they they don't just hand these things out. You do have to have a student ID uh, with a you know a, a number, things of that sort. They have to they verify your status. Yeah, I remember I got I I did get Photoshop with a student discount a long time ago when I was in art school. Mm-hmm. But the student discount wasn't that good as I remember it. It was uh, decidedly less good. No, this was um, I was I, I basically it was the price at which I could not say no. So I decided it was time to uh, get the uh, the latest Adobe products, and they're nice. I like. But uh, yeah, so there's my little pro tip: become a teacher or a student, <laughs> get all the software at, at bargain basement prices. If you're Excellent. a fourth, there you go, there you go. So I knew there was some good that could come out of this conversation. <laughs> Eventually, <laughs> you just had to hold on, folks. You just had to hold on. Um. So what's uh, what's everybody up to right now? Are we we're all working on interesting things? I bet yeah. Kieran is. Oh yeah. <laughs> Why do you do? That? Why do you bet I am? <laughs> I don't know. You just seem more interesting than we do. <laughs> My, it is all boring shit. It's the same shit over again. I hope none of your clients are listening to that. <laughs> well, I mean, I, I'm I'm pretty honest when people, you know, it's like, ah, you, you know, people sort of people that don't work in the industry turn around and say, you know, you must have a really fun job. And I said, well. You know, when you've drawn an orc for the four hundred thousandth time, um, you know it kind of just it kind of just goes by now. <laughs> yeah, I guess orcs get more interesting every time for me. <laughs> I don't think maybe I've that's because that yours orcs. look yours look better. I'm just excited when mine looks like an orc. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Right now, I'm trying to expand into new markets. That's why I got Illustrator, and um, I want to. I think I want to start experimenting with working in um, uh, 2D games, for instance, for mobile devices and uh, the internets, if you will. Yeah, that that's always a good idea. Is uh, trying to uh, expand into different territories, either new software mm-hmm. or, in your case, really old software that. 
<laughs> you should know anyway. <laughs> yep. Well, you know, here's the thing. You know, it's, I mean, there's still plenty. Obviously, there's lots of work for people who can work. You know, raster, create you know really compelling raster images. But I think there's also it's important. I think to have skills with vector as well at this point, the way things are going. So. Oh yeah, absolutely. And uh, you know, it's kind of weird. Flash is still pretty well sought after even though uh, I'd heard that actually uh, Adobe is starting to drop its support to Flash well yeah, they dropped their support the not, not really they dropped their support for well not yet they dropped their support for uh, uh, mobile Flash oh I know that HTML5 is starting to supplant Flash for a lot of functions so yeah for, well for mobile but uh, for things like all the uh, Facebook games, I mean, that's a Flash world right now. Mm-hmm. So Flash may be going out in the next few years, especially if someone comes up with a really good front end for creating uh, HTML5-based uh, animations. But nobody's, that to my knowledge, has done that yet. Maybe it, maybe Adobe's working on it themselves. But for right now... Uh, flash is is still pretty important, so that's that's one to keep keeping your eyes on. What would the what kind of skills do you think transport well from the Illustrator into the Flash environment? Well, it, I've never worked with Flash. Like I, I'm, I, it appears that you have. So, well, Flash uses uh, can use vectors. It's it's got a whole vector based art system. Though it's really wonky. It does use uh, uh, the paths. You know, very much the same way that Illustrator or Freehand or other programs like that have always used them. But it's also got um, a kind of a weird paintbrush vector tool. Uh, a, a lot of the, the basic ideas of using vectors can be brought over from Illustrator uh, into Flash. I so know you you'll, can... you'll see an environment that that is a little confusing at first and kind of hard to use, but uh, you know, eventually the things you know about vectors will will definitely work in Flash. But Flash also uses pixels really well. Oh, okay. Uh, you can use uh, pixel-based animation. You can export. You can do things in Photoshop and export them as PNGs with uh, transparent backgrounds, and just use them. Use those sprites. Hmm. Uh, in fact, a lot of the animation I do that's 2D animation uh, for the iOS world, I will uh, export out of uh, Photoshop as PNGs to give to the programmers, but I'll also bring it into Flash and do a uh, an example animation of what it's going to look like so that the animators can kind of see what direction they're heading. And that works just perfectly fine in Flash, too. So yeah. Fl- Flash is a pretty robust uh, robust system, but yeah, it, it, it's still clunky after all these years. So, if someone ever does come up with a, a great front end for HTML5, I'm going to jump all over that because I'll I'll drop Flash like a hot potato if I ever can. Well, you know, for about $150 more, I could have in, I could have included um, some of the the Flash suite of programs. And uh, I, I opted not to, obviously, but it just didn't occur to me. It didn't seem to me that that was a, a, the software set that I needed for what I was uh, up to. Yeah, not everyone's going to need it. it. It's good for me mostly to uh, whip up 
uh, sample animations. But, you know, obviously it's good to have around if you ever get called upon to do anything for a Facebook game or something like that. Uh, uh, and also a lot of things that I'm doing just in the multimedia world that um, is a little more specialized. Like I do a lot of work for museum kiosks mm -hmm. uh, for um, anima uh, animation for educational uh, programs for it, for um, museums uh, where they have uh, educational science, you know that sort of uh, mm -hmm. thing. Uh, I do a ton of work in that area, and that's mostly being done in Flash, too. So obviously, for me, that becomes very useful. There's a lot of things that we don't really think of. A lot of things that aren't the big, you know, sexy. Oh, this is for an iPhone. Mm -hmm. <laughs> or, oh, this oh is yeah, for a Facebook game. That uh, you know, there's a lot of work in many other uh, fields that we don't usually think about. And in most of those areas that are using animation with interactivity, it's it's Flash. You know, first, last, yeah. and always. Right now. Hmm. Uh, it's it's a good thing. It, it, it's good to know as many different programs as you can, really. Um, if you're going to be a freelance artist, at least until you end up specializing in one thing. I mean, you know, when you get known as a, whatever, you get known <laughs> as an oil painter or an illustrator of orcs, <laughs> and then you can, you know, specialize in illustrating those orcs. But. Uh, <laughs> On the other hand, you can be like me. I'm more of a generalist. I like, uh, you know, changing things up every year or two and doing completely different things to keep me from getting bored. Hmm. Well, there we have it, folks. Diversify. This kind of feeds back to an episode we did long ago on diversification. I did not realize you worked in, in that market. Patrick. What's that? I didn't realize that you worked in that market, um, you know, and oh. that sort of thing. Yeah, that's that's uh, that's been something that is that was my mainstay back uh, in the early two thousandses, and I sort of dropped it completely for a few years as I was concentrating on uh, just illustrating uh, from about oh. 2006 on but I've really been getting back into it for the last couple of years and uh, yeah it's been nice I, I you know it's one of those things you can really get burned out on doing one thing over and over again for yeah for a long time and then by taking a break and getting into other stuff for a while when I got back into it I was I was <laughs> far more interested <laughs> and plus the technology has improved just in a few short years oh that's that's true yeah you can you can always count on that, especially when you're doing things that involve interactivity that, uh, you know, every every year or two things are going to take big leaps forward and you can actually design with more, uh, you know, more complicated stuff in mind, you know, more, uh, more resolution or uh, faster graphics or more pieces on the screen moving around, whatever it might be, uh, you know, more users on the back end. Uh, you know, these things just increase in leaps and bounds. So, yeah, when I came back into it after a few years, it's funny, it, was, it wasn't like I really needed to reacclimate myself or relearn skill sets. It was mostly that I needed to unlearn limitations that I had learned in the past. Oh, just yeah. Quickly say, okay, forget those limitations. They're out the window. You can pretty much do anything you feel like now. 
Yeah. So and there, nice. I imagine it was also a more uh, user-friendly interface by the time you got back to the software. Not in Flash. Flash Not in Flash. It remains Flash as archaic is, as ever. One of the worst. I wouldn't even call it archaic. It's it's needlessly quirky. Oh, it's alien. <laughs> it's alien. I just have never liked the Flash interface. So eh, maybe that's just me. But I think I'll find a lot of people who agree. Is it that different from the regular Adobe suite of programs? Yes. Mm-hmm. Wow. It's horrible. I once had to do a do a project in it because a a, a professor um, when I went to university thought that uh, I had to diversify more, so I should, for one of my grad projects, just do animation, which I'd never done in my life. Mm-hmm. So I, I tried to do it with Flash, and, and it was it was horrible. I, I couldn't figure out what the devil I was supposed to be doing. So I ended up just saying fuck it and using a video camera. <laughs> yeah. Just take a few frames at a time, old school. Yeah. I I I um, I ended I ended up putting it all back together in Flash so I could put subtitles on it. It <laughs> didn't match the movements of the mouth at all. <laughs> no phonemes were in use here. It was like when you watch really old uh, kung fu movies and their mouths are moving and 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 and, and uh, then they're dubbed really bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and it's like nobody's even talking. <laughs> I rather wonder how much of uh, how much I know. If, I imagine Flash and Illustrator are quite popular in certain formats of um, mainstream animation. I've kind of, I mean, can you, just, you guys think of any examples of that? What? Well, where, yeah, where, Flash, Flash is the basis of just about every, if not every single uh, Facebook game. Mm-hmm. They're, they're all being put together in Flash these days. So. What about in terms of um, anim- you know, TV entertainment? Mm. Were they using that, for instance, in South Park? I don't, it looks like they're oh. using fairly some primitive... No, that's the interesting thing about South Park. They're using uh, very sophisticated 3D programs. Oh, okay. They, they always have, in fact. They the, Maya. They're using Maya? Maya? Yeah. Yeah, they, from the very earliest of the TV version, they've been using 3D programs. That's surprising. Yeah, I it's funny. Well, they, can just, they can just take the different pieces that you know would be put together stacked with the paper like they Mm -hmm. originally did it and they stack them in this 3d program so it makes it a lot easier to to move them around and animate and it get they can give things that slightly dimensional look even though it's flat you know it's sort of everything Mm -hmm. stacked up against each other so they can give it that look and then animate uh, really uh, uh easily and uh, if there's a oh what's it called there's a uh, documentary I think it's called Six Days mm-hmm. that goes through I think from just a year or so ago uh, goes through the process of creating the uh, South Park program mm-hmm. and uh, you know they they do everyone in just a week from writing to animating to recording to editing oh wow that's how they <laughs> stay so no wonder it's so crappy. <laughs> well, well it's, it's, it's brilliant when you think about it. <laughs> no, there is nothing that would make South Park brilliant. I'm it sorry. Is, it is brilliant and well written. Uh, no, but... no, it isn't. It's a piece of shit. Okay, well, you know, 
people can disagree on this, but on the other hand, you're wrong. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're stupid. Yeah, you're poop head, girl. And you live, you live in a trailer park, and you're a hickey hillbilly. And well, you're poop head, girl. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm a boy. Um, but it, it's a great documentary. It, it's really fun to see the artists working on this the super fantastic hardware and software and then what they're creating are these simple flat shapes but it, it's really impressive how quickly they get it all done um, hey are there any good sites you'd recommend or magazines that you'd recommend for somebody like myself who wants to learn more about uh, for instance the the current land, digital art landscape well I mean I've been I'm not I'm not too far behind when it comes to digital painting, but when it comes to applications of of art software like, for instance, Adobe Illustrator in the wider marketplace, where would be examples I might find good examples of that? Uh don't ask me. <laughs> <laughs> you sound fairly knowledgeable. <laughs> no, every everything I know of that stuff, it's from either just using the programs or talking to other artists. And getting advice from them. Uh, if if I run into something I don't know how to do, I just go online and learn how to do that one thing and then sort of add it to my repertoire. But I really uh, haven't been reading any magazines or any online blogs or anything oh, okay. about that stuff. So I couldn't I couldn't really tell you in general. For for me it's always been just you know, plug in the software, start using it. If I run into a brick wall, look it up online. Yeah. So I've been going to a, Adobe TV. Well, <laughs> well, I've been going to Adobe TV, and it got me up and running pretty quickly on Illustrator. The uh, the tools, are, you know, they they're fairly uh, opaque. You don't necessarily know what they do, but then once you watch a, a quick tutorial, it's oh oh, you know, it makes very yeah. this, it makes sense rapidly. Yeah. So I I don't know. Really, I mean, I hate to put people out of business like Sokar who are writing how-to books, but <laughs> I'm not sure if there's really a reason to go buy a whole book unless you're the sort of person who's much more uh, comfortable, you know, buying a book on something. Because some people aren't as good at self-starting; uh, they get a little, um, you know, hung up in all of the details, mm. and they want a book to give them an overview and to, to walk them through things. So some people are more interested in that. Uh, if you're the sort of person who likes to just kind of plunge in and see what they can do, though, I, you know, I'd recommend using that method that you're using, Jeremy, and, mm -hmm. you know, go online and see what you can find and uh, start doing a real project of some kind, if you can, and that that usually can galvanize you, can can give you that uh, sense of uh, direction. And Plus online you can get all different people's ideas on how to do something. And, you know, sometimes one person's idea will be better than another's or more compatible with your workflow. So it's kind of better than a book by just one artist because you, you can mm. get various solutions. Very true. Make Kieran say something, Jeremy. Yeah, Kieran. Kieran say something, Kieran. I'm trying to look for gauntlets. <laughs> <laughs>
gauntlets. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to try and buy a pair of gauntlets to use for reference, but I'm... Uh, Wait, what? You're, you're, uh, <laughs> um, I, I don't want to end up getting some gauntlets that have, like, um, uh, that are sort of, uh, sort of uh, not properly made, so um, buying a pair of gauntlets that have um, a glove insert, but they're, it's, it's, it's sort of glued on instead of actually how it's meant to be made, which I'm not really sure how they're meant to be made. Um, well, this, is, this is sort of <laughs> concerning me. Who are, you, who are you going after with these weapon gauntlets? Oh, no, it's just a reference shoot. Oh, okay. I was, yeah. like, what, I was like, WTF, man. <laughs> we, have a, we have strange jobs that require yeah. us to look for very strange things. I like that. I I'm kind of I kind of cheap out with the reference. If I want to draw some gauntlets, then I, I you know I just take a regular old reference picture of a person, and then I draw gauntlets onto it, and I kind of guess what they look like. Sometimes it works out for me. Sometimes it doesn't. One time I drew an alligator into a picture, and it looked nothing like an alligator. And I was like, dude, I should so have looked up alligators because they don't look like what I think they look like. <laughs> That's a, that's the one thing I keep picking on my students to do is that is to collect reference regardless of their style. Yeah, because sometimes you think mm -hmm. you know what something looks like, but you really don't. Mm, mm. 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 Yes, references. Uh, references especially useful. I I do often find when I think I know what something looks like, and then I draw sort of my uh, this. Uh, symbol of it that's in my head and it comes out looking nothing like the real object and and that can work for cartooning but for uh, more realistic illustration it's it's kind of a hindrance absolutely so yeah here here to kieran for looking up his gauntlets you're our yeah. hero i should Way get gauntlets here. i've got a lot of i've got some crappy gauntlets i got with a Halloween costume of a knight, and I use those for my reference photos, and they're really awful. I should I should get some good ones someday. We're probably one of the few professions today that actually is interested in purchasing gauntlets. Well, there's that, <laughs> and there's like uh, those people who dress up in costumes. You know, what do they call them? Costume players. Mm -hmm. Like yeah, I said, one of the few. What do they call them? Like you don't dress up like a giant chipmunk every weekend and go to. Ew. If if I if I was gonna be a costume player, I would not be a furry costume player. I'd be like Darth Vader man. Darth Vader man. Oh, that that reminds me. Just go, just stepping back to uh, the Image uh, Comics Expo. Uh huh. That was so weird and people were actually even talking about it online when they were reporting on it there were no cosplayers there I don't know what happened but maybe Oakland's just too cool for cosplay but nobody nobody in costume and this and wouldn't that, be anything weird, you so far you've never weird. been to a convention yeah <laughs> but, yeah, yeah. I, would, I would have thought it would be weird if someone does show up in a costume Oh no. oh no, comic shows? Oh my god, there might not even be a costume contest, there'll still be people showing up in costumes. Absolutely. Uh, it's it's like, uh, usually maybe, 
I don't know, one out of five people is in some sort of a costume at one of these things. But yeah, so that was that was notable. People were talking about it. <laughs> so maybe next year there'll be somebody in costumes. <laughs> There's some and some really impressive ones out there. Although you have to be fairly cautious about uh, the context in which you are wearing these costumes. We had uh, a few years ago. I remember attending a local comic show in which a young man was attempting to peddle an a, an ash can that he had produced. The entire time he was dressed as Spider-Man, and he never took the mask off. The okay. entire time, trying to sell a comic book. That is kind of weird. Well, maybe he uh, he was shy. That was his way of. I, that's possible. Doing the sales. It's or possible. Was, or maybe he was somebody really famous, and he wanted to see if he was actually good, or if he just got famous by a fluke. So he dressed up so nobody could see his face and try to sell his ash can. Uh, that that too could be an unlikely possibility. Maybe it was Rob Liefeld. <laughs> yeah, maybe it was Rob Liefeld. You ever think of that? The, the, there is that possibility. Maybe he was going back to grassroots and he didn't want to be uh, didn't want to be observed. You know, it's more common than you think. The Beatles did it. Stephen King did it. Mm-hmm. And they both got caught. This is true. Well, I, I think I never heard of the Beatles doing it. I yeah, it started Stephen... something called like the Eagle something or other Eagle Surprise. I don't know. <laughs> they wanted to do a different type of musical product project. They they just wanted to go back to the days when it was all about the music and not about Beatlemania, or that's what they said anyway. And they were surprised that that it didn't work. I'm gonna were... have to look that up. I have read literally thousands of pages on the Beatles, and I have never heard that story before. It's true. I swear, I read it on the internet. Well, you know, in the. In the... <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I think we've now heard the source. <laughs> we can put that one to bed. But uh, actually, you know, in the case of authors, I remember I was sitting in on a um, on a um, it was a, a lecture being provided by an author who was talking about some of the realities of publishing today, in which earlier you may have noticed the so I cracked a joke that it's easy to get your first book, it's difficult to get the second one. Mm-hmm. Well, that unfortunately is a truism in the publishing world when it comes to novelists. They have a, um, it's very, you know, you might get that first breakaway novel, and then for some reason you have difficulty getting, selling that second novel. I think it's because the uh, the newness has washed off of that author. Mm-hmm. So in some instances you'd find that many authors, if they've, they may actually just uh, produce a pseudonym in order to get published again. Uh, but when you got in the case of somebody like Stephen King, who is a well-established author, they end up. Uh, I think they oftentimes end up taking on pseudonyms like um, I, I forget one of the other ones he took on. But in order to write in a different manner or to yeah, that but was didn't, Richard Richard Bachman. Richard Bachman. Yeah. yeah in order yeah, to write he a different. Ended up using that to publish. I think some of his early work that he couldn't find a publisher. <laughs> Quite probable. There's, yeah. there's a couple. There's a couple of authors as well that that have t- like two different pseudonyms because mm-hmm. they want to do two genres. If they write genre fiction, like uh, there's there's one that a friend of mine knows, and she has like she has two names, and one of them is for medieval fantasy, and one of them is for steampunk fantasy. And it's like, dude, why bother? But I guess it helps her somehow. <laughs> <laughs> But uh, oh yeah, so pseudonyms is oftentimes a just it's a business decision. Yeah. 
Or it's a keeping crazy people away from your door decision. There is that. Uh, there is that too. There is that too. Well, you know, I, I think uh, I, I understand that uh, J.K. Rowling, for instance, she chose to not reveal her first name on the jackets of her books initially. I think just because of certain concerns with the, uh, um, well, her gender, writing the types of stories she was writing. Yeah, it's sad, but it's, she had a good point. But, uh, you know, we can, if you want, guys, we can do our critique session. Oh, yeah, we were totally going to do a critique, and then we were wasting time. <laughs> it's funny how we were, we did a topic on wasting time, and then we wasted a bunch of time. Yeah, but we actually had some fun conversation afterwards <laughs> during that, so... It wasn't true. a complete waste of time. Mm, but there was some waste of time. Oh, of though. course. Of course there was. There has to be. There always is. But you know, we, we do have an image from listener Jerry, also known as uh, Regerard on DeviantArt. And he actually produced a, more or less, I, I guess you'd call it a sample piece based on an article that had already uh, published in Philadelphia Magazine back in October of 2011. And uh, he produced a piece entitled Stroller City. And he's asked if we would like to critique it for this week's episode. So, um, who, should, who, is to, who will be the first to step forward and offer their um, thoughts? I have a couple of things to say. Okay. Um, I think he could have grouped his shadows a bit better. Um, it looks like uh, he's used a photograph and, or several photographs put together. Mm-hmm. And he's he's used them very religiously for reference, and um, it's done some funny things to both anatomy and lighting. Um, what, what works in a photograph uh, might not work in a in a, a picture, a, a, a drawing. And um, uh, let me let me think how I how I explain this. Um, when when you're deciding where your where your light and your shadows are going to be, it is a good idea to group your shadows together to create more impact rather than trying to draw every tiny little shadow. Mm-hmm. And he's he's done a bit of that in the silhouetted people, but then he's got seemingly random parts with uh, with more detail in them, and, it, and you can't be quite sure why those parts have more detail. And I think the reason actually is that that's the parts that had more detail on the photo reference. Oh. But that's not necessarily the best choice for a, a drawn composition. I, I was just going to say one other thing about the shadows. We've got also another <coughs> problem going on with the shadows that would also be a result of putting a bit more thought into exactly where you want to put them is we've got some ambiguity going on as to what exactly is where, especially the central figure. We've got this woman here. And then there's another woman that's walking behind her. But because uh, of the way the shadows have been done, it kind of looks like the woman in the background, her leg is the belonging to the woman in the foreground. So there's a little confusion going on there. And then we've got this baby that, um, if you see a baby in a stroller, usually it's kind of, there's a shadow from the stroller over its face. but got this baby like whoosh spotlight on this guy mm-hmm. so I think we need a bit more thought put into the uh, into where the lights and shadows are going don't just follow exactly your photo reference 
especially when the photos are taken at different times and in different lighting situations. Oh yeah, especially if it's a composite. Mm -hmm. I don't I don't know if it is for sure. It might be. It's kind of hard to tell because it's I mean, we can't see the actual reference he used. But it does it does look like it does look like a composite. Yeah. Well, someone else. Looks like it's looks like it started life as a composite that was uh you know, traced over somehow. And like that, but I think yeah. Even when you start with a composite, you have to give a lot of thought to things like, or especially when you start with a composite, you have to give a lot of thought to things like uh, the composition and the light and dark and what's all leading to what. Um, I, I'd say for me, if the baby and the stroller are the most important part, because it's for this stroller city article. I don't think I have so much a problem with the baby popping out inside of that shadow there because he'd be sort of the the most important aspect. No, I just I just, I just kind of I just kind of hate babies. Sorry. No, 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 that's that's perfectly understandable. Uh, so so what I would they look so mushy and undercooked and you know like 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 they're not done yet. Yeah, well uh. they're they're taste they're tastier in about 5 or 6 years. Oh, they creep me right out. So I think part of the problem for me is that we have uh, the character, uh, I'll call them the characters, the people, uh, sort of in the background, that weird old lady and the mom and the person walking by on the left. They're all done with this black silhouette style that I, I think works kind of nicely. But then we have the flute playing guy on the ground, and he is rendered the same or even brighter than the baby and the mom. And that, to me, is, is like the main downfall of the whole composition. My eyes are drawn there primarily. Yeah, he's got flute player. white legs and his <laughs> hands just being all bright uh, when he isn't an important part of the composition. So if you sort of squint at it and look at what is our basic composition, it's more or less a a line coming straight down the middle from mom through the baby stroller, through the baby, and then down to the bottom uh, logo, Stroller City, uh, going across. So it's an upside down T. It's a pretty good composition in general. But the thing that's messing that whole composition up is this big lump of guy there to the right. Mm, I'd be happy to lose the flute player and the bicycle, and that would create a, an, a quiet area within the composition. Right. The other the other thing messing up the composition for me is the buildings in the the blue buildings in the background because they're not drawn the same as the other buildings and mm -hmm. they're really distracting the perspective is all over the place. Good they point. haven't been they have not been translated from photo well, to drawing you know, in the same way and they're very confusing. I'm 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 at ease with uh, I mean this is a fairly distorted perspective and this is I, I think that's I would view that as deliberate to to be in keeping with a certain design sensibility Good. to this piece but I mean what's really jarring me is that it is dealt with the these, these distant elements in the background have the same line weight as certain yeah. features in the foreground it's creating darker. a hmm? uh, or darker fact, that, yeah that's a really really good thing to uh, point out is relative line weight let's look at the buildings and then right next to them is mom's arm now mom's arm is done with a very thin delicate line all mm -hmm. the way down 
And then the building, which is way off in the background, is done with a thicker line. Yeah. So really you would want to do the exact opposite. You'd want to really downplay the lines on the things that are in the background that you don't want the user to pay attention to and really build up the outlines of the things in the foreground. But the, um, but the thing the thing is, the thing I was getting at, is the lines aren't done the same on the buildings on the sides and the buildings on the Oh, no, the exactly. Well, oh, that's yeah. another the point. The buildings, uh... on the, the buildings on the sides, and they aren't really lines. They're um, interpretations of the shadows that just, <laughs> just turn into lines. But the, on the buildings that are right there in the background, the ones where I said the yeah. perspective was all over the place, those are outlined. Yes, there's contour there. Yeah, those are those are just contours. The the shadows aren't, they're yeah. not built up from shadow. And I'm I'm thinking maybe those buildings the artist drew from imagination, and the other buildings the artist drew from uh, photo reference. Or it could be that these were photos that were consciously manipulated for the design, which is fine. It's just a I think it's they are they have a very different handling from the as you say than the buildings in the distant background. If I were going to do some quick fixes to this, um, and I think there's a few quick fixes that could oh, yeah. be done, uh, I would I would completely knock back those buildings, perhaps by taking off or or completely minimalizing all of the outlines on those back buildings. You could even and dispose of them entirely. You could take them out entirely, or replace them with with something that's simpler. Uh, I'd increase the line width around mom to make her look a little more uh, consistent, top to bottom, left to right. And I'd take the flute player and maybe not lose him because he gives the flavor of being out on the street, but giving him the same uh, black, you know, mostly black flavor as the other characters mm. who aren't the baby. Uh, you know, in other words, those legs and pants and hands could, could be lost into mostly shadow. Um, and I think just by doing those little things, you'd end up with a much more pleasing overall composition, um, and, and that that would be a good a good start. Um, mm -hmm. And since this is, uh, you know, practice uh, for for um, our artist here, I think that would be a good thing to practice with is just taking this basic concept and seeing if by doing a few little things you can really punch up the composition. Yep. This is all a, a, a practice for composition, really, uh, to me. Yeah. This is looking, One looking thing. Good practice in that area. So, what can you do to, to fix it quickly? Yeah. That's my thought. Yeah. One other thing I've also noticed, and what's pleasing about the composition in this, this piece, is that he's using some fairly, overall, some fairly desaturated colors. And then you look on this on the left side between the two. Uh, people who are garbed in black in the background and in between them there's this very strong pink magenta like of uh, object that I can't quite identify but it's drawing a lot of attention to itself uh, if you look to the left of the uh, of the stroller mm -hmm. you'll see the strong pink object mm -hmm. between the two people walking past her and um, that is drawing an awful lot of attention to itself because of the high contrast of the black on this Mm -hmm. Very uh, light valued pink, and I'd be kind of tempted to lose that, and allow those characters just kind of blend together somewhat, this sea of people, if you will. I would get rid of that pink, mm -hmm. that yes, pink object, I, I agree. or uh, use the fact that that pink is really drawing attention to itself uh, to give you an idea of 
maybe you could use that color somewhere that should be more the center of interest. Like take that pink and use it somewhere on the baby stroller or what the baby's wearing. Um, yeah, it ch change that area to something that's more the neutrals, the 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 blue grays, the browns, that kind of stuff, and then. And then since we have noticed that that's a very successful color in this color scheme of, of drawing attention to itself, then put it in, you know, smack dab in the middle somewhere. Oh, yeah. I can see that. I think it's important to remember with composition that areas of high contrast, areas of strong color tend to draw the, the eye. And it's often a really good practice to put those elements, those uh, relationships into your focal point to draw attention to it. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. okay. Here is. We might also consider dropping the values of the background buildings. Drop is as strong and graphic as those are. They're darker in many instances, as we point out, than the foreground figures. And I think knocking that back might help to give more presence to the foreground characters. Yeah, the that's, that's always an idea to keep in mind. Is uh... Yeah, lightening the areas of shadow as you recede. Uh, you know, sometimes that's called for and sometimes it isn't. This is obviously a very graphic treatment, and it mm -hmm. might be just stylistically you want a lot of blacks. Mm -hmm. but, uh, you're, you're right. That's that's a good thing to play with since this is practice. Yeah. Well, as I say, it's not a deal breaker for me if we start looking at some of the other things that were mentioned earlier. Did Karen chime in on this one? I was gone for a little while. I didn't. No, he did not. Maybe. No, I'm still looking for Bournemouth. He's still he's busy wasting time. <laughs> there you are. This is the way, the all waste of time episode. This is like a this is like the uh, Seinfeld of podcasts. <laughs> it's a podcast about nothing. Kieran is looking for gauntlets. I'm probably going to go online later and start looking for cod pieces. Really? Oh yeah, just because. To make it look like to make it kind of look like you have a bulge down there instead of just like this flat area. Well, you know, I like to draw attention to that area of my anatomy. You know, when I when I go to the mall, things like the that. Cod uh -huh. area. The cod area. <laughs> that does not sound very savory. I'm sorry. <laughs> Feast your eyes on my cod. Oh wow. <laughs> that was perfect timing. And it's not I know it it wasn't even related. To what we're talking about. Knitted armor gauntlets on Etsy. And they look really cool. It's like scale mail. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Made of knitted. Um, they knitted on one side, though. That's kind of weird. You are such a dork. Ha, 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 Nerd. Ha, ha, ha. I love that. <laughs> that was a really pathetic, lame, um, half-ass laugh. May I just say, though, I think uh, that that Jerry's really on to something with getting work, uh, doing this type of project, taking examples from magazines of articles that they may have read and then reimagining how the artwork could look for that particular article. Yeah, I think uh, he should do a lot of those. That's a fantastic idea. Yeah, you should just, yeah, whenever you read something and you find it interesting, you should illustrate it because that's really good practice for what an illustrator's job actually is. Mm -hmm. I mean, a lot of people just practice by drawing something like, "Ooh, I think I'll draw. I think I'll draw a horse today. I think I'll draw a big, fat, carnivorous flower today." But uh, 
you know, it's a good practice for the illustrator's craft to uh, take some text and think, well, what can I illustrate out of that? Exactly. This guy is this guy is onto uh, something very smart here. I wish I thought of it so I could have said it first and looked really smart. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyhow, okay. so uh, I guess uh, we're getting towards the end. I think we're coming upon the end of our of our wasteful <laughs> of our wasteful I should, episode. I should mention I've been doing some. Uh, 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 life drawing lately, and mm-hmm. I think I'm going to go out tonight and Ooh. do a bit more at Doctor Sketchy's. There's a Doctor Sketchy's in the East Bay area. That, uh, What's wait, 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 wait! Stop right there. What's a Doctor Sketchy's? Oh, it's a thing. Uh, they're all over the place in large cities. I think in well, the U.S., but maybe Canada. I don't know. Uh, where people get together and do life drawing at a uh, usually a bar or a live venue where they get uh, some models, quite often from burlesque uh, area, you know, uh, who come in with costumes and things, and you uh, sit there and sketch them all evening. And they do actual uh, uh, poses for, for you know, two minutes, five minutes, ten minutes, twenty minutes, just like you would in a drawing class, except it's a little more friendly atmosphere and... Uh, you know, drinks and fun costumes and great music, and it's it's a good good way to get some life drawing practice. Well, how do you track those down? Oh, you can just look up Doctor Sketchy's online, mm-hmm. uh, and it'll take you to the the general page, and then you can look up to see if there's one in your area. Oh, fantastic! Well, I'm glad you mentioned that. I think a lot of people would enjoy it. That are our listeners. Yeah, the the last one I went to had a uh, I I don't know if they all do because I I just started going, but it had uh, door prizes that were donated from a local art store, and uh, yes. I I won the big prize for the night, so I got a set of uh, felt pens and some paper books and things like that. So yay me! <laughs> what does it cost to attend these events? Uh. And again, I don't know if they're all the same, but ten dollars is what this one's charging. Oh. Well worth it. Oh yeah. Awesome. Uh, what what city are you in, uh, uh, Sokar? Vancouver. Vancouver. Toronto. That's like way on the other side of Canada. I don't know. Canada's all one big lump of uh, <laughs> America's hat. America's hat. <laughs> oh, we're gonna get a beating. It's on no. We're gonna get we're gonna get letters, Patrick. On like Donkey Kong. Look at that. There's a Doctor Sketchy's Vancouver. There is. In fact, tonight, Ooh. this very night at 10 p.m., they're they're doing one oh, right great. in your neighborhood. So everybody should look. They seem to have it at the Wallflower Modern Diner on Main Street. I have no idea where that is. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, you live where? I live in False Creek. I think Main Street is like far away from me. I think it's on the other side of the bridge and way up past like um I think it's yeah, I think it's like way west of here or something, or maybe way east of here and and and, and uh north or south. I Does uh, Vancouver have adequate public transportation? I don't ride public transportation. Do you People... do you own a vehicle? No. Do you have a horse? 
No, I guess I I don't know. I don't really go anywhere. I could I could take a taxi, but I I don't know. I probably wouldn't like it because there would be too many people there. Ooh. Well, at any rate, uh, yeah, I would uh, heartily recommend Doctor Sketchies, and they have uh, they have branches all over. Well, look at this. I'm looking at up now. Not only the United States and our friend Canada. They've got Guadalajara, Panama City, a bunch in the UK now. Huh. Uh, all over the UK and uh, Europe. So you should all look that up. It's, it, it's a lot of fun. And, uh, you know, I had gone to a private sketching session with some friends from, uh, uh, from online that uh, was really fun. I think I talked about that a little while ago. So, I, I, yeah, I'm doing more life drawing these days. And... It's really good practice. I am uh, happy that I'm I'm up and doing that again. It's really it's good to you know have that pressure of having to get the form of a person down in two minutes or five minutes, uh, and especially um, when you've been working from uh, reference photos as long as I have, and you really have a lot of time to just you know, sit down and do it exactly right. It's nice to break out of that mold and try to do something quickly and get down the, the, you know, the vigor of a quick sketch accurately and it stretches different muscles in your brain. I, I think that's uh, mm-hmm. an important thing that quite often us working professionals forget about. I do, I do some life drawing when there are interesting birds outside my apartment but I haven't done life drawing with people in a really long time. Hmm. Maybe you should invite uh, some over to your house. Well, you know, people you know, you can't like, you can't be like, hey, can you just sit really still for about five minutes or two minutes while I draw you? Because then they'll be like, you creep back, stop drawing me. Oh, most of them like it. Most people are flattered. <laughs> just don't ask them to do it nude. <laughs> unless they're into that. Sort of thing. That's when they're really flattered. <laughs> uh, well, given that the only people who usually come here are like my mother and a couple of friends that I've known forever, I think if I asked them to take off their clothes, they'd be like, "What is the matter with you?" <laughs> <laughs> who knows? They might surprise you, Sokar. Uh, I don't think I really want to see my mother or any of my friends without their clothes on. Oh, God, no. <laughs> I am blind. I cannot unsee what I have seen. Well, we better call it a day. And I've got some wait, editing wait, wait, to do, hang, apparently. Hang before we call it a day, speaking, yes. of, speaking of family members, my sister and I started a new photo blog. Um, Ooh. It's uh, aardvarkanddonkey.com. Um, we each post one photo or a few photos every day. Um, it's called aardvarkanddonkey.com because when we were little kids, our father called us the aardvark and the donkey. So we post some photos and some dorky observations and stuff like that. That's so, cool. Yeah, if anyone, if anyone misses my old blog or wants to check out some photos uh then check out our blog it's pretty cool i think <laughs> <laughs> i'm told I, it doesn't I've been suck there. it looks it looks neat i've already been to it that's aardvark with two a's and donkey with an anki 
<laughs> yeah, that's right. Aardvark and Donkey. Yep. Well, thank you for sharing. You're welcome. Oh, man. So, guys, um, I guess we'll start to wrap this up. Let's do. I'd like to, once again, thank Sokar Miles. Uh, com. The ever-quiet Kieran Yanner. Sorry. That's okay. <laughs> Who's shopping Kieran. for bargains. Kieran at com. Patrick McAvoy. At megaflowgraphics.com. And I am Jeremy McHugh, and I can be found at McHughStudios.com. If you want to leave messages for this about this episode, head on over to ninjamountain.blogspot.com. Once again, we are proud members of the Visual Artist Podcast Network. And let us now cue the musication. And start editing. <laughs> <laughs> no, what are you talking about, man? This is all gold. This is all gold. Oh what are you God, talking about? No. <laughs> well, I can't just drop this into GarageBand and call it a day? Not Oh man! Garage band would complain. <laughs> Garage band would crash your computer. I yeah, killed no, it. I killed the internet. <laughs> okay, guys.